0: Welcome to Beer, Beats, and Business, the business podcast for smart people who appreciate the insights found in a good conversation. That guy sitting at the end of the proverbial bar is your host, David J.P. Fisher, but everyone around here just calls him D. Fish. He's an author, speaker, and business coach. Basically, he's a professional talker. So grab a glass of your favorite beverage, grab a seat, and join us for today's episode let's see where the conversation takes us.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another interesting conversation with an interesting person. And I am really excited for today's guest because this is an interesting person who I've had many uh, interesting conversations. I'm going to try to put the word interesting in there a few more times in this introduction. But uh, my good friend, Joe Flanagan, Joe is a successful entrepreneur who has used his ability to sell and his understanding of building relationships to run, uh, to build and run several multi million dollar businesses. He's been massively successful in the insurance and financial services world. And his current business, one of his current businesses, Acquirance, is really a model for how to outsource sales uh, and the, the sales efforts of organizations. Uh, as I've mentioned, we've had these conversations sitting uh, sometimes by his uh, fireplace. Drinking some some really good beer, uh, so Joe, welcome. How are
2: you? D fish, great. I was I was hoping to meet this person you were introducing. It sounds very interesting.
1: <laughs> you know, I always joke that my mother saw me uh, speak once. She saw me uh, actually speak for the School of Professional Studies uh, at Northwestern do, for their commencement address. And afterwards, she comes up. She goes, "Wow!" When they were introducing you, I was like, "Wow!" My son actually did do something with his <laughs> life. <laughs> I, was, I said, Mom, that's why I do it—to make other people say nice things. Well, I mommy. mean, do
2: fish—that's uh, you know when I people introduced me, I said, "Well, you must have heard that from my mother, because she's really my only consistent fan."
1: And hey, we need them—we need Amen. them to be our Amen. consistent fans. Uh, well, hey, and, and actually, one thing I should point out as well—you uh, also are involved in a brewery here in Chicago, so I think this is super appropriate. Uh, Burnt City. Uh, which is uh, brewed out of uh, the South side of Chicago. And I know there's a tap room downtown. I've had it
2: many times. Delightful beer. Uh, what are you drinking today?
1: What um, do you got on I've your I've got end?
2: the Face Melter, which is uh, our number one uh, seller. It's a great IPA um, that that I love. It's And they do, you know, our, 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 our uh, uh, factory and uh, uh, food, you know, facility uh, is uh, – At four seventeen, North Ashland. So we're right by the United Center, and uh, so and we we brew the beer there now, Um, and it's uh, we've got uh, we brew for several other uh, breweries. So it's it's and and you know we made it through the pandemic. Uh, We roared through there because we kept open all year round. We were like the only uh, brewery. Uh, brew pub that kept open through the whole pandemic and because we could open windows we had a great parking lot we could put the team that managed it on a day-to-day basis found a way and they they grinded it out you know that was it was uh, it was great oh that's fantastic and i i actually love that story
1: because i think the the craft beer world is full of these stories where they're like, hey, we can't, you know, we can't not brew beer. We can't not do what we do. Not only on a you know emotional level, but also, you know, to keep the, the bills paid. And there's just a lot of great ingenuity that came through. If you, speaking about outdoor spaces, I do got to plug our sponsor for today's episode, Dovetail Brewery on the north side of Chicago. They had a beautiful patio. They're like, hey, we're going to we're going to find a way through. I'm drinking their Hellas Lager. So thank yeah. you to them. Uh, And and also, speaking of small businesses and and also finding success in the pandemic, I do have to mention our uh, season sponsor here, Northcutt SEO, uh, run by my good friend and B3 guest, Corey Northcutt. They are masters at SEO. Corey has forgotten more about SEO than most people will ever know. I want to say thank you to them for helping helping get this show out to the masses. So go check them out. Northcut, two T's in northcut.com. All right, Joe, bills are paid. Now it's just me and you, we got our beers. So I'm really excited to, to ask you this question because you're somebody who has a long and and all joking aside, a, a very successful career in, in sales and, and more specifically building sales organizations, leading salespeople, managing salespeople, coaching them. So I think you're a great person to ask this. Where do you see selling? Where, more importantly, where do you see some of the changes in selling and how we sell and engage from now and we're recording this towards the end of 2021 and you know let's say uh February 2020 so what do you see the pandemic has really changed or has it not changed
2: stuff it's um amazing it's 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 changed a couple times you know it went from sh- absolute shutdown and and we we really mm-hmm. were negatively impacted by the by the first wave of the of the pandemic, and you know, in the last six months, we've really roared back because uh, so many people were exhausted of being tired, <laughs> and right. um, you know, needed to get back in, and you know, had tucked and saved money through different things. But uh, you know, we we talk about three things: uh, deep fish, uh, recruiting, training, and management, being kind of the core three things that we do. And, you know, if, yeah. if you could imagine, I mean, who could ever imagine a year and a half ago that you would recruit somebody to join your team in a sales role and you've never physically actually met them? Right, right. You've never shook their hand. They've never met at a, a Denny's. They've never met in, a, in some uh, district brewery, yard pub at 417 North Ashland. Uh, and <laughs> no, but I mean, that's that's a hard thing to do. And I was talking to a, a great partner of ours from uh, Bain Capital who says, I now know that I can hire people, I can fire people, I can do all this stuff online that we never would have done. Yeah. So I think from a recruiting standpoint, you know, we've challenged ourselves and had to take risks that are proven okay, are proven okay. I mean, you know, I mean, people have backgrounds, they've got experiences, these web tools are uh, impactful. I I think the biggest step back we've taken is training. Right, I think a, a lot of companies have gone backwards in terms of sales training, which makes you know those people that are really delivering that content. Yeah, just, like me, no, Because sales training it was, was so traditionally in a conference room or in a um, in a live yes. format in a you know at a conference or uh, some other seminar type style, and that all went away. So people had to yeah, figure out yeah. how to. Um, how to do something. And I swear, we, people didn't do anything for a year, right? I mean, they really just, they just talked. <laughs> I am well aware. <laughs> I'm I'm aware. aware. <laughs> That's why I get to a reminder. <laughs> no, but I mean, they, they didn't do anything for a year. And they came back and say, okay, so again, we kind of had this moment of, we're exhausted. Of We just got to, we don't know what the next month looks like. We don't know what next quarter looks like. We don't know what six right. months, are, we just got to go. We got to get out of neutral, put it back and drive and get moving again in these areas.
1: What's really interesting when you talk about the training from that angle, yes, there was this step back because a lot of organizations had kind of just relied on, hey, we're going to have everybody come to the conference room, you know, Tuesday morning for an hour, and uh, they're going to learn how to quote unquote, uh, cold call be a or, you know, be a closer, do a better sales presentation. And yes, I do agree that that has gone away. But what's interesting, I, I don't think we've figured this one out completely yet, I, I think that sort of sales training was also kind of a crutch like I don't know if that was always what would create real movement for the team but it just it just was comfortable and so I think so, in some ways there's an opening now for organizations to go okay we can't just get everybody in the room you know we can't have our big sales kick off yeah. like we used to you know get everybody together okay so now what do we actually do and and I've actually, been on a a couple of podcasts lately talking about the future of sales. And I think the real opportunity, something which I I know, and I'm not just blowing smoke. I know Acquire is really good at this is supporting sales managers and kind of frontline sales leaders to actually develop the coaching and training skills that they maybe didn't need 18 months ago. Absolutely. You know,
2: we um, we've one of the reorgs we've done is to really line up our, our, uh, you know, our, our client facing managers in one path, and then our sales support, sales team support, and another, and that's it's mm. really digging in to help our first level, second level, intermediate level sales execs get better. Right. And I'll tell you what, I, I, early Love in that. my career, and I tell this story all the time. I was I would went out left school and, and was hired by Aon, and I went to work at one of their subsidiaries. I did a rotation. I uh, went to work at one of their sib- subsidiaries. It was called Ryan, uh, the Ryan Group. or um, It was Pat Ryan's original company. And they did okay. filming, video filming of me in a sales situation. And it was so incredibly impactful to do this because I was able to see myself for what I was saying. And I absolutely, you know, was Oh, I'm like crawling over the desk to try to get this guy to sign this paperwork, you know, it was, which, <laughs> which, you know, the great salespeople, they're just in that in that environment. Right. And they're, and they're, yeah, they're just kind of engaging with the prospect. They're asking the right questions and they're just letting the, the prospect feed you what it takes to close the deal. Now, now, so it, it wasn't until I had that training moment that was where I mm. saw myself on a video and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm, you know, I'm like this. I gotta really step back and take a deep breath and really engage. Quit rapid firing on people because that's not what they what they want to hear.
1: And so what's interesting is one of the things I learned to do for myself is watch myself and, and and doing podcasts and having to edit those back or you know, doing video and watching video was has been great for me because it really helped me. I mean, it's painful as heck to watch, but I go, oh my yeah. gosh. Why am I doing that? Or, oh, there's a, I got to fix that. But it also makes me think, you know, a moment ago, we're talking about supporting the, let's just call them frontline sales leadership, your sales managers, sales directors, depends on the size of the organization. And I'm not saying that you would go and record them in a coaching session. Maybe you should, but it would be really interesting to see, I think for a lot of these leaders, if they had the opportunity to really understand how they're coaching, let's say in training, you know, they think, Hey, I'm trying to be helpful, but what they're really doing is just badgering, you know, their salespeople. I see this all the time. Yeah. I'm really, I'm supporting and I I, I'm nurturing. And they're really like, Hey, tell me about what your pipeline is. Who are your leads? Why aren't you closing them? And that that disconnect is,
2: is I I think pretty prevalent. That was the magic of that moment for me. And that was like a game changer, career changer training moment where I said, I got to do something different.
1: So you took that not only into selling but really into
2: leadership. I mean, you know, it sounds like how you raise children, how you navigate your way through, a, you know, your my my marriage, and you know all those things that that are so important. You know, it's it's the ability to just slow everything down and, and just listen, and and then really absorb what's going on, and then be able to respond and react. Right? It's that, that's that's kind of a, a game changer. In, in my life was, you know, I kind of pinned back on that training session.
1: Yeah, and it's so interesting that we often hear about the the need for listening, right, in everything, selling, relationships, all these things. But it's so easy just to nod our head and go, yeah, yeah, of course that's important. But it sounds like for you, it really was learning to be like, I can pause, I can listen, I can absorb this, and then respond. Which, and I know I did this as a young salesperson. I've seen uh, many young salespeople do this. Oh no, I just have to almost. Interrupt the 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 prospect or interrupt the other person I'm talking to because I gotta like respond right away to what they're saying. Yeah,
2: I mean, my best sales calls are the first 15, 20 minutes in the prospect talk about them and their issues and what you know, and and I'm I'm good at asking those questions and really authentically caring, right? And that's right. really important to authentically. Care if you can't, then you know you're you're in the wrong business. It's going to be hard, right? But if people can really sense your genuineness and authenticity, that's a very powerful, powerful tool.
1: Let's look at some of these changes. Then you know we talked about just a, a few minutes ago the fact that as a, a sales leader, you could hire a salesperson that you've never met in person. As a salesperson, you could sometimes, and in fact, I think it's very common now to prospect to somebody, maybe even sell and get that, that signature to somebody you've never met in person. What are some of the ways that you've seen people really be effective using this idea of listening and empathy in a digital environment?
2: I, I don't think it's any different than in a face-to-face or over the telephone. You know, we we actually talk about, yeah. okay. we, we have words we use, which are not unique to us, but we talk about being an active listener. And, mm-hmm. and so, what we talk about is saying, okay, David D fish. If let me just make sure I understand what you just told me, right? You just told me, boom, 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 boom. Is that, did I get that right? And I'm telling you what, I do that all the time and it's very powerful. You know, it's, it's, it shows your prospects. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. And, and, and you're <laughs> right. prioritizing their issues. And again, if you're and and about one out of five times, I'll get course corrected. They'll say, nah, what you didn't get is here. Yeah. Sometimes you're wrong. (laughs) That's, that's great too, is to be able to say, thank you for clarifying that. Let me just make sure that, you know, so here's kind of what I think, but I mean, you got to get, it's not what you're selling, baby. It's what they're buying, what they're, what they're buying. That's right. So you have to figure out what they need to buy and be able to, and and be able to, you know, see if you've got a solution for them.
1: I love that, that idea of summarizing and, I think a lot of times younger salespeople or less experienced salespeople I'd say, they don't quite understand that it's actually not only respectful, right? It's good human communication, but it actually is how you sell better or how you're more effective because you really do get to either A, really tie into what that person needs and what
2: they think the solutions are. And you're you're showing them respect. You're showing them respect and then you're taking control of that, right? So you're kind of... You're taking control of the conversation from that point because they're like, OK, your turn.
1: It, it reminds me of the the statistic that uh, while I, I don't know if this was causal or if it was just correlation, but uh, the best way to predict whether a doctor gets sued a lot for malpractice is how much time he or she spends talking to patients. The more that they talk to patients, the less likely they are to get sued. And when they did the study, what they really realized is that people just wanted to be heard and respected. You know, and if a doctor just comes in and, you know, basically diagnoses without actually or prescribes without diagnosing, I forget what the saying is, Uh, but but yeah, but they got to actually care first and dig in with the, the patient and then prescribe a solution. Kind of the same thing in selling, right? You know, if you just come in and go, like, I don't really care what the person says; I am just going to tell them to buy my product or my service.
2: It's yeah. not going to go well. Yeah, we, ha- we, 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 um, we turn away a lot of deal flow because it doesn't fit our model, right? So, but hmm. uh, you know that. Uh, so you got to know you know, know yourself, know what your strengths are, and, and be able. To, but I am telling you, that's also a very effective sales tool by being able to say, you know, it's not a good fit. And then people are like, whoa. But that, I, I wouldn't recommend that all the time.
1: Maybe, but I think that's a, actually a really valid, I don't even know if I'd call it, a sales tool. I, I go back all the way to me selling cut Cutco knives at people's kitchens. I sold a lot of knives to a lot of people. But one of the reasons why I had a ton of confidence doing my quote unquote closing questions is because I knew personally and in, internally that if it wasn't right for them, I, w- like, I remember being on sales calls and being like, don't buy from me. You don't need this. Right. This isn't right. Or, hey, you're already set up. I would rather walk away. Let's keep being friends and me trying to push something on you. But that also let me know internally that if I did have that same belief that I could help, you need this product. I had no problem. Like, hey, you need this. This is worth it. Glom onto my trust and credibility and enthusiasm. You won't be sorry,
2: right? D-Fish, you, you remember the first time you met my wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you walked into our kitchen and like, those Cutco Lives? You're, like, you're missing two. <laughs> She's like, "What? Yeah. You're missing two." She goes, "How did you know?" He goes, "Why? Well, That's not, it's not full." Cool. Yeah, yeah. And the next day, like literally three days later, there were the two, the two exact ones we were missing, were came through the mail. I mean, it was a very powerful uh, gesture of friendship, follow through. You know, the uh, authenticity. It I can't was, let uh, there, there was,
1: be an empty, empty holes in your Cutco wood block. Come on.
2: <laughs> I, I, there were two, let it on one, let there were two. But you know that that was a memorable story and uh one that uh you know we laugh about.
1: Well, what I was really trying to do is make sure because I know you've got a big family so you're going to have a bunch of people sitting at that table for for dinner. I don't want people fighting over the table knives cuz there's a couple missing ones, you know. Exactly. We can't have
2: that. Thank you. Thank you. There were there were, that It's a very aggressive family.
1: <laughs> I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier with with the hiring piece of selling. You know, one of the things that I've seen over the course of 2021, call whatever the great resignation or, you know, there's a lot of openings of people moving jobs. And one of the things that's kind of been a headline, I don't know how much truth is in it, but the fact that it's been harder and harder to hire salespeople.
2: Have you found that at all? Absolutely. It's been crazy. Now, I'll tell you what. The the reason why our business has popped back so quickly is because it is hard for us, but it's even harder for people Mm. that don't have to do it, that don't do it as much as we did. Literally today, D-Fish, we started 14 new uh, teammates. Wow. We started 14 people that started today and starting on accounts that, you know, these are Big-time companies that just can't get these roles filled. So they're like, what are option two, you know, <laughs> especially in a lead generation role. You know, so so they're, going, they're looking at this outsource thing, uh, option, and saying they do it. Like if we hired 14 people that started today, you know, we've, had, we've hired a bunch in the last six months, right, as this thing has kind of cranked back.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: think if you're only hiring two or three people a year in sales. Oh, that's got to be tough how hard to build that kind of lead generation or kind of a, sh- a, sh- a quick sale process if you don't do that every day all day I mean we got it built and it's hard if you don't have it built oh, yeah. it's really hard again and think of the, the recruiting people in a corporation of you know 300 people they're they're recruiting uh admin they're recruiting i.t they're recruiting
1: Leaders and management, with,
2: you know, leaders operations, managers, finances. Yeah, you know, sales folks are kind of lower on their priority list, but sometimes, right? Or, or that's <laughs> what the, that's what the people that tell us uh, are talking about. So it's really created an opportunity for us. But I, it, it there's no question that it's uh, that it's happening. And what's driving that? Do you think?
1: Why? Because it used to be like, eh, we need some more salespeople. Put an ad out, and we'll get a bunch of people and see who sticks. And, and I, well, I agree. I've seen it. it's much harder for organizations to bring people in.
2: I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the federal stimulus money that has um, done this. I think that's impacted more of the people in the hospitality space where they have said, you know what, enough, you know, standing around until 2.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. And there are parts of the market that the the cost of the, these BDRs, SDRs, entry-level salespeople is way up, right? So it's put a lot of pressure on a lot of companies to have to you know, really reach to uh, <laughs> level up on their uh, financial commitments. Um, we've all had to adjust.
1: Yeah, for sure. The other thing, and, and I would be interested to hear what you have, your thoughts on this are just the past few minutes have been talking about salespeople. We really have been kind of talking about the younger salespeople that are kind of coming into the, into the, the profession. I mean, you've been in sales now for a couple of years. We don't have to talk about mm-hmm. the specifics. 35, 30, 35. Have you, have you seen a change in just kind of how salespeople are who's being attracted to it or what young professionals are looking for in a sales role? Or do you feel it's kind of the same?
2: It's, it's more the same than different. Hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of people like to gripe a lot of old guys like me like to gripe about how this new millennial new generation, you know, blah, blah, blah. And maybe there's some of that, but you know, I work with a lot. I've worked with a tremendous amount of incredibly young, ambitious, smart salespeople who've really gotten after it and have gone out and done great stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so I think that for every time that you have somebody that's entitled or whatever, you got two or three that have, that are really, you know, ready to grind and start working to, to build a career are looking for that mentorship and the leadership that, that we try to provide people um, in their, in their sales career. And, and the, the, uh, the discipline and the the willingness to learn and work. So I'm not as, uh, a lot of people are really down on millennials, Gen Z, right, whatever right. you want to call them, but uh, I, I've been, um, I, I'm optimistic about uh, about a lot of them.
1: I think you're right. It's, where I think there's a bit of a disconnect is going back to something we were talking about earlier is a lot of organizations have to get their training and coaching programs right. Because if you are bringing in young people, I think one thing that is true, a lot of you know, kind of the younger generation wants that support. They're, they're like, they want to get better. They want mentorship. They want to improve. And I think the organizations that can give that to them are the ones that are going to be attractive places to work,
2: right? Totally, totally. I mean, I think they all realize that, sure, it'd be great to make three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 more, but if you felt like you were in a good place that really cared about your development and your, your career, yeah. they want to hang in there and, and, and learn and, and have the opportunity to you know, progress in their career uh, in that way, I mean, um, you know and Again, there are always examples of other things, but um, you know, it's it, it is true. Uh, yeah,
1: I totally agree. Well, speaking of career development, and this is one of my patented non slick uh, segues. So, what is your favorite beer that uh, Burn City makes? Like, what what is your favorite one that you're, you're they're making it, these days?
2: I'm I'm drinking the Face Melter right now. You are drinking it? Is that is that your favorite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of their longest standing beers. And uh, they've done a great job. It's it's in a, it's an IPA, a, a good, uh, solid beer, uh, a little dark. Nice. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew I knew
1: Burn City back when uh, when they were uh, Atlas. So right back in the, back in the old
2: days, I love it. Yeah, it was it was Atlas. Then we we did uh, Burnt City, and now it's actually called District yard. That's what the because we because we housed. The manufacturing oh. and the other, we, we, we manufacture for the other beers. It's it's kind of cool. It's one of those places where you walk in and you, there are four different bars and they're each contactless. So when you walk in, you get a credit card and then you stick the credit card in the, in it's the like, tag. It's like the best
1: beer tasting. Just get whatever you want.
2: Yeah. And you, you, you can it. start with a little bit or whatever. But, you know, think about there the, the, there's, you know, you don't have a bartender. You know, so in this coronavirus, there's a lot, a lot less contact. Mm. So it, there were some things that really were interesting that <laughs> worked in uh, your favor. <laughs> yeah, worked in our favor, worked in our favor. But uh, yeah, no, it's been, uh, but you know, the beer business has been a journey. Um, it's been, it's been fun. Um, I've been lucky to have uh, done some interesting uh, uh, private investments, most of which have been horrible.
1: <laughs> you know, as you've gotten a chance. To, to really kind of see more of the, the craft beer world. What has been like the biggest surprise or just thing that you've learned that you would, weren't expecting about craft beer, whether that's on the making of it or the selling it, the drinking of it?
2: You know, it's been um, incredibly uh, – when we first started this thing a long time ago, we were really um, on the front end of the craft and beer thing and again there's, it always changes so much i mean they're right. always trying new new cans and new new flavors and and uh it was it was a lot of greenfield and then the big brewers the big the big distributors uh and the big breweries kind of really squeezed us out squeeze a lot of the little guys out mm. and so many craft beers are really just local right <laughs> we, we are we've got a much bigger reach because we kind of got in front of it but man it's been it's been tough it's been tough and uh and then there was a really a cleansing of the of the uh, the, the group in coronavirus. So we hung in there, and right. you know a very dedicated uh, management team and brewers that did a great job of really hanging in there.
1: It's it's interesting you say that because one of the things that that I know just because I I read way too much and I'm always reading the articles and stuff is how much of a challenge it was for the the little guys to really to get. A place at the table because if you look at the kind of three to four really big brewers, it's not—it's yeah. not only an economic thing, but they've got the lawyers to, to work on the the regulatory piece of this because that's in the United States a big part of you know what prevents uh, smaller guys from doing distribution. But on the flip side, one of the things I've really loved, and and yeah, I agree, it's we've seen way too many breweries go under because of coronavirus. Hopefully, they'll come back. But one thing I've I've really kind of enjoyed is the idea of the local breweries, the local craft breweries. Obviously there's a lot here in Chicago, but wherever you go, there's almost a and, and I'm not saying literally a terroir, but kind of this feeling of place to beers a lot more. Like I love when I when I travel before coronavirus, hopefully get back to again, be able to go to whatever city and be like, I want to go to their craft breweries. I, I right. I wanna I wanna be in St. Louis and go to Shaffley or you know, I want to be out west and, and check out one of one of the the, the many breweries out in California, and I, I love that. There's that sense of place to a craft brewery, and to knowing, hey, I can't get this anywhere, so I'm really going right. to enjoy what I'm drinking here.
2: D. Fish, I'm going to I'm going to take that to a little bit more micro level. Every time I go Ooh. to a restaurant, you know, when I'm going to have a beer, I always say, w- "What? Tell me a little bit of your your local IPAs." Yep. And I, I don't even look I don't even look at the you know and and I, I always want to support their local brewery. I always want to support, the, you know, the, if they've got one because it's uh, it's fun and yeah. it's different. And they're all unique. You know, I, I can certainly appreciate the uh, the journey of the craft beer in the last 10 years. But, uh, yeah, I always, you know, I don't necessarily track down the local, you know, the, the, the brew pub. But I will in every restaurant say when I'm going to have a brew, um, give me tell me about your local IPAs. I love it. I love it.
1: Um, okay, so we can and have talked for hours about these topics. So I'm going to stop us right here, or else we'll go on for way too long. Oh, come on! You <laughs> <fish>. <laughs> and and hey, I I'll be over in a little bit. Get the, get the, the fire lit. Grab grab some beers and some cigars, and we yeah can yeah a little Monday Night football. It. There we go. I always ask my guests at the end of our show, uh, what's one tip that you'd give somebody to help them have a better day today?
2: Well, I've got a really simple one. And you know that I feel the most important attribute. Let me ask you, D. Fish, what what do I think is the most important attribute to being a great salesperson?
1: Like enthusiasm and caring and, yeah, positive attitude. Let's... So what, what does my
2: auto-sig say? I have no idea. I've never looked that far down. <laughs> <laughs> my auto-sig says, make it a great day. So uh, I've said that. That's been my auto-sig for 20 years. Okay. Uh, I, I believe... Each of us has an opportunity every day as we're crawling out of bed, as we're rolling out of bed, and you put those feet on the floor to make it a great day. And it, it is it, you you are in control of this more often than not, where you can you can either make it a great day or you can be a victim, and. We all know people that, that don't get out of de- don't roar out of bed and, 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 and try to make it a great day. Uh, but I believe we have options. That would be my, my advice is that uh, you got to, you got an option to make it a great day and, and that's a habit. Yep. It's a habit that you got to work on. Yep, and whether you know literally you can pull one of your books that you've written off your bed st- nightstand, and read something inspirational or read something to put a positive message in your brain that's what you need to get out of bed and make it a great day love that. because there's too many people that are not going to get out of bed and make that change so it's a commitment to yourself it's a commitment to your attitude and and hopefully that can be infectious and and and, and we can you know go and Continue to light the world on fire.
1: I love that. It's a. It's a. It, we have, as you said, a lot more control than we think we do. And to what you all said, it's not necessarily easy. But you know, the the best, the best choices rarely are, right? And
2: right. And you know, think about think about the devastation that so many have had had to navigate their way through in the last eighteen months from the from the loss of loved ones, um, okay. from people getting sick, from business is getting obliterated and I mean real easy to sit here you know with as as this as as our business has recovered so nicely um and uh, and say it but there were days that it was a test right you know my children came back a lot when we were because they all live in the Chicago area um and we had a great fortune of of really buying back a lot of time with those with our kids um and they're all you know from 32 to 23 but uh there were a couple of days that they didn't, they didn't know that this was their father. Right. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, but literally it was just a couple when I couldn't kind of snap out of it to say, yeah, you know, I was so immersed in how bad my life was that moment. But uh, you know, you, you just power through it yeah. and you, you get through it, you keep focused, you do the right things and, and um, you know, it, it, it all, came, it all comes back. Yeah.
1: And the great thing is the next morning you get another chance, right? You get to try, right. you get to do it again. If you, if, it, if you go off the rails a little bit, you get another try the next day. And just every day you get to, re, you get tested again sometimes, but uh, you know, and some days are easier than others, depending on uh, what crucible you're going through in your what? life.
2: Right. What it, I love that. Chaos du, chaos du jour.
1: What chaos du jour, yeah. To ask, ask the ask the mater D what, what he here he you would recommend. Uh Joe, I, I really appreciate your time. I love this conversation as always. Uh, if somebody wanted to continue the conversation, find out more about you, what you are doing, what's the best way for somebody to follow up with
0: you?
2: I'm usually at district brewers on thirty uh, on <laughs> Thursday nights. No. Uh, uh it's been a long time since I've been there. Uh go to the acquire website, A-C-Q-U-I-R-E-N-T dot com. You know, acquiring LinkedIn, obviously, is a great medium uh, to uh, connect. But uh, D. Fish, it's uh, great to, great always uh, to be with you and chat. And we will have another beer and cigar here soon.
1: I love it. I love it. And everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Of course, thank you to our sponsors, Dovetail Brewery and Northcutt uh, SEO. Uh, check them out. And, uh, you know, put you back on something we said at the end there. Wherever you are... Go and support your local providers, whether that is a brewery, whether that is a distillery, a vineyard, whether they're a coffee maker, somebody, a a local restaurant, just... uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are putting their heart and soul into taking care of uh, of you through the the great stuff they do. So make sure that you give back and take care of your local scene. And of course, thank you for spending time uh, with us during this conversation. This was a big episode. This was number 99, and we've got a really special guest for episode 100. I don't want to spoil the surprise. But uh, by the way, it's not like, a, you know, former president or anything, nothing that exciting, but it, I think it's still pretty good. Uh, but everybody, if you've enjoyed this, please do tell your friends. It's the best way to find out about a podcast. And of course, uh, go to your favorite podcast app of choice. Rate, review, say nice things about us. And until next time, we'll uh, we'll see you. Be safe, be healthy. Joe, will you uh, finish us off?
2: You got a choice, go make it a great day.
0: Thanks for stopping by. You can find show notes and links in this episode at BeerBeatsAndBusiness.com. We all know the best way to find out about a new podcast is through our friends. So please help us out and share what we're doing through social media or just tell someone. And if you could do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Stitcher, that would be great. Want to get in on the conversation? Send Deepfish a message on Twitter at DeepfishRockstar and we'll save a spot for you at the bar for the next Beer, Beats and Business.